for daylight and thank you for being part of this time with us every Wednesday and in this series we're going through the book of Psalms or uh, Psalms chapter 23 and we're looking at where is God on the dark nights of life where is God when life gets really hard where is God in the time of a pandemic maybe even right now where is God when you're furloughed from your job and you need to pay rent and I'm sorry if that's you We're going to get through this together. I want to start here today. I want to start with where I was a a number of years ago. A brother of mine had asked me to drive a van for him from a long way to Malawi, 2,000 miles north, to my other brother's house in Nairobi, Kenya. And I'd been in Malawi, had a bunch of college students, so I loaded up the van with several college students and my son, Byron, and we drove for two and a half days. And finally, we made it to the Kenyan border at the north tip of Tanzania. And, but we didn't get there till like midnight. And the border crossing guards, when they looked at our paperwork, they said, these aren't good enough. You're going to you're gonna have to come back tomorrow. I said, where are we supposed to sleep? And they said, sleep in the van. I was like, no. So as I go back to the van and I'm telling the students that we're going to have to sleep in the van, a young Kenyan man came up and he said, you, there's, a, there's a nice resort just a, down, the, down the road here. Would you want to stay there tonight? I said, in this town, we're in the town of Namanga. It's like one of the most dilapidated border towns I'd ever seen. And I said, sure, maybe. And, and I wanted to trust him because his ears, he had tied in a knot. And, and so that gave me an indication that he was probably a Messiah. Messiah often have these discs in their ears, but his were just tied up. But he was wearing t-shirts and jeans and flip-flops. So I wasn't sure. So I said, so are you a Messiah? He goes, yes, I'm a Messiah. But he wasn't as tall as I thought most Messiah were. But I wanted to trust him. And and the thing is, Messiah are known as the most trustworthy people in all of Africa. So even though he didn't have on their plaid tunic, I said, okay, we'll follow you. So we left a couple of volunteers in the van to battle the mosquitoes, and the rest of us followed the Messiah. We went under the border gate, and then there is a dark road off to the right, and we started to follow him down this road. And now, even what light there was from this small town of Namanga, we couldn't even see that. And this path was as dark as Egypt. And so I'm getting afraid, like, okay, we're going to get jumped. So I looked at uh, John, one of the students. I said, John, you have your knife with you? He says, no, I left it in the van. Well, the guy always has a weapon. I was like, how could you leave it in the van? We're going to get jumped. (laughs) Two minutes later, it's darker and we're not getting. And so I stopped the Messiah. I said, listen, I said, we're going to go back. We're just going to sleep in the van because I was sure we're going to get robbed. He says, no, trust me. And I wanted to trust me. He said, we're almost there. He said, you can almost see the resort. I said, see the resort, but there's no lights. When they have a, electricity, he goes, oh, the generator must be out. I'm thinking, convenient. <laughs> and so we kept following him. And then just when I could see the outline of some buildings, All of a sudden, from behind a big tree, a man starts walking towards us really fast, and he has a machete in his hand. I'm not making this up. And he's walking. I was like, oh, my goodness, we're about to run. I'm going to finish the story later. 
later. So we're going to finish it before we're done. So you've got to stick around for the rest for the rest of the story. As we're making our way through Psalm 23, today we get to verse 4 and we read these iconic lines. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Have you ever felt like you're walking through the darkest valley, kind of like a road outside of Namanga, Kenya? Have you ever felt like your life is like that? Have you ever felt like your soul is like that? Maybe even right now, as we go through a pandemic, you're feeling desperate and you're feeling like, God, I'm in the darkest valley ever. When you read the Bible, it it seems like over and over God's people end up in places like that, that feel dark and desperate. And, And I think in all of our lives, at different times, we go through trouble. We have problems. And if I ask you, do you have problem and trouble right now? I think everybody would say yes, and we fear for what's ahead. When we read like the words of Job, and Job is maybe one of the most famous in the Bible for going through the dark nights, we we read this. This is Job 23. He says, I am completely in the dark. I can't see my hand in front of my face. In chapter 18, Job says, uh, he turned out all the lights. I'm stuck in the dark. The 15th century writer, St. John of the Cross, he calls it... uh, uh, La noche oscura, which is Latin for the dark night of the soul. Have you been, are you going through your la noche oscura right now? Or have you been through the dark night of the soul and it seems like you're still there? Maybe that dark night was caused by a spouse. Maybe that darkness has been caused by a dishonest business partner. Maybe that dark night that you're experiencing is caused by running up debt on too many credit cards. And maybe that dark night has been caused by a friend who's hurt you now. They've they turned bitter against you. Or maybe that, that, that dark night is the loss of a job. And I'm sorry, but God, here's the, these great words in this short verse. He says, but I am with you. That even in this valley of darkness that David writes about, God says, I am with you. When David writes about this darkest valley, most scholars believe and agree that he actually spent quite a few time walking through this Kidron Valley. And, and he even probably took a sheep there, and then sometimes it would get dark, and you, he would be lonely and afraid. But the, the, the name Kidron Valley comes from the Hebrew Kadar. Kadar means darkness. So this is the valley of darkness, and this is the valley that he's talking about. Abraham, when you read Genesis, Abraham spent three days walking through the Kidron Valley, the valley of darkness. We read that he's walking through, this is Genesis chapter 22, and after three days, he gets to the mount, to the foot of Mount Moriah. Now, Mount Moriah is where the Hebrew people agree, is where Jerusalem has been built. And and then David says, even though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, some of your Bibles read, it's because this valley became a burial place outside of Jerusalem, even when Christ was there. When Jesus uh, walked on earth, we know that on his darkest night that he ever had, when he went to Gethsemane, he had to pass through the Kidron Valley from Bethany to Gethsemane. You have to go through the Kidron Valley, the valley of darkness, the valley of the shadow of death. 
And so all of them knew what it was like. And here's the thing, when you're in that dark place, isn't the feeling like, I want to go back? I'm sure David on some of those dark nights felt like, I want to go back. I know Abraham that feeling had that feeling, I want to go back. And so many times when we're going through trouble or have problems in our lives, we all sense this, well, it was better in the past. It was better before. But it's not always like that. If we're honest, we tend to look at the past with rose-colored glasses. Instead, the hope and the promise in Psalm 23 is God says, I am with you. So look ahead. Daylight is coming. That's the hope. That's the promise. And here's what I love about this short line in Psalm 23 is that it's God's promise that David reminds us of to be with us. He says, even though I walk through the the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You see, in the times of trouble, in the times that are hard, God is not absent. He is not somewhere else. He is not silent. If you were here on week one, I talked about Shusaku Endu's riveting novel titled Silence. And he writes about this, and it's a novel about a Portuguese priest in the 15th century who travels to Japan to try to spread the name of Jesus Christ there. But Christians were under persecution. And he had seen that as he hid in different villages in Japan, and then he was arrested. And in the courtyard from his cell, from his cell in the courtyard, he could see every day they would bring Christians there. And the Christians were forced to either renounce their faith or they would be executed. And so as the guards lined them up, they would put in front of them, they would take what uh, the Japanese call a fumi. And it's, it would be like a carved image of Christ on a piece of wood, maybe even metal. The, the fumi would have been hanging in their home, an icon of Christ. And they would put it on the ground. And then they would tell the Japanese Christians, stomp on it, stomp your foot on it, and renounce Christ, or you'll be executed. So as Rodriguez is watching this happen, it's killing him on the inside. And then the day comes when they line him up. Let me read to you. In, in my book, Waiting for Daylight, I quote from, from Silence, and I'll pick up where, where this scene is. After weeks of agony, Rodriguez's faith began to melt. Stop, stop. Lord, it is now that you should break your silence. You must not remain silent. Prove that you are justice. Prove that you are goodness and that you are love. You must say something to show the world that you are the august one. God, he felt, had been silent. When the misty rain floated over the sea, it seemed like God was silent. When the one-eyed man who believed in Jesus Christ was killed, it seemed like God said nothing. Why is God continually silent while these voices are groaning on and on? And so despite his pleas to God, the torture and executions continued. Rodriguez seemed to give up hope. He gave up faith. He gave in to fear. And then finally, he's taken into the courtyard, and we read this. The priest raises his foot, and it feels so dull and heavy. This is no mere formality. He will now trample on what he has considered the most beautiful beautiful thing in his life, on what he has believed most pure, on what is filled with the ideals and the dreams of all humankind. How his foot aches. The guard urges, trample, trample. 
and I'll stop there. I think we all have that feeling like Rodriguez had. Do I give up on God? Is God absent? Is God silent? Because I need him to take away this trouble right now. I need him to end this pandemic right now. I need to get back to work. My kids need to get back to school. I need the income now. But God says, hold on. David reminds us there's hope. God is with you, so have no fear, even in the darkest valleys. And so my invitation, my challenge right now is to endure. Maybe persevering is the, is the practice that we need to learn more than any right now in this waiting season. And to keep walking in faith, endurance is good, but endurance somehow that perseveres with faith is what we all need right now. I think it's, it's a long road sometimes. And my encouragement is to just keep walking. When you read the book of Genesis and you get to chapter 22 where Abraham in verse 7 is at the foot of Mount Moriah. His son Isaac asked the most troubling question. He says, he says, Father, he said, we have wood and we have fire, but we don't have the sacrifice. And Abraham famously says, but God will provide. God, you see, that's enduring. He had been walking for three days, believing, believing that when he needed God most, God would provide. And if we rush to the end of the story, God does. Soren Kierkegaard, the famous philosopher and theologian, he names Abraham the, the knight, that's with a K, the, K, the knight of the absurd, that his, his endurance, his perseverance is just ridiculous. He just keeps going. I have a brother-in-law who runs ultra marathons. He runs 100 miles. You talk about endurance. And by the way, he's passed out once in a while in the middle of that run. So don't try it. It's not easy. But that's the kind of endurance we need. Sometimes, maybe our faith, what our faith needs most is endurance. Sometimes what our faith needs most is perseverance. Sometimes what our faith needs most is you resolving to not quit and to keep trusting God. And that's really the next thought that I, I want to challenge with you, you with today is to trust God when life seems dark. There's a young woman that we read of in Genesis. Her name is Hagar. And uh, she had had a son with Abraham, but she was not Abraham's wife. But she has a son. His name is Ishmael. And Sarah shoes her out of the house and sends her out in the desert. And as it's getting dark, as, as she's about to sleep in this dark desert, she prays. And she says, God, I pray to you, El Roy. It's one of my favorite names for God in all of Scripture. El Roy means the God who sees. And I want to remind you right now in this dark season we're all going through that you have a God who sees. He's not silent. He hears you. He's speaking to you. He's doing something new in you. And so my invitation is to have hope. Uh, something good and beautiful is buried in the darkness. I said that last week, and I want to say it again. Sometimes on the dark nights of the soul, sometimes in the time of trouble and when our life is filled with, with hardship and problems, don't miss that God is at work and you may not see it yet. The daylight is coming and you're going to see something very good and beautiful. That's the promise of scripture over and over. That's the promise that comes with Jesus Christ. When I say that, 
Now I have to go back to our story in the manga Kenya at the Tanzania border and finish it. So we see this man coming. Got to pick my machete back up. And he's got a machete in his hand. And we're like, run, we're about to take off. And our young Maasai says, stop. Hey, don't be afraid. He literally said, hey, it's okay. That's my uncle. He's the night watchman and really not just a caretaker, the night manager. He's the only person on duty at the resort. And so he comes with us and he's got a machete in one hand because he's guarding things. And he's got a big ring of keys. And I said, we need a room for four, two rooms for four, whatever you got. He says, follow me. And so we follow him. He shows us the room. He tells us how much it is. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a bit like, I said, it's already one in the morning. What do you think we get a reduced rate? And John with me is saying, Palmer, stop, stop haggling with him. You know, he's got a machete in his hand. So I just said, all right, we'll pay what you're asking. Well, we go to bed, finally fall asleep. The next morning, I wake up before everyone else. The sun I can see is just, it's just coming up. The sky is just beginning to light up. So I go outside quietly, trying to not, not to wake the, the, the rest of our room up. And I go out, and the sun is rising, and I see that the Messiah is right. We're in the, the, probably the most beautiful, stunning, quaint resort, small resort that I'd ever been in. It's surrounded by jungle. There's a swimming pool in the middle. And the Messiah was right. There was something stunning and beautiful and good buried in the darkness. All I had to do was trust him. I think it's the same way with our own lives, isn't it? That we're on, when we're going through the dark nights of the soul, just keep trusting, keep believing. And know this, grab onto this line in Psalm 23, verse 4. Uh, for, for, for he, for you, for God is with me, is what David says. The soul, I think, is, crave, is, is made to crave the presence of God. And so this, this God is with you promise that David gives us, it echoes again and again in Scripture. When Jesus arrives, he's given the name Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means. It means the God who is with you. God is with you now in person. And then Jesus says, I'm leaving you a comforter. My spirit, he will be with you. So I'm, I'm here today to remind you that every day, as we all go through this hard time together, your God is with you every step. He's not somewhere else. He's not absent. He's not silent. He's doing something good. And maybe more important than anything else, he is with you. He is present. The famous uh, priest, St. Patrick, has written an evening prayer. And he read this same prayer and recited it every evening. I want to end our time together by reading this prayer. And I hope it sticks with you today. Maybe share it with your family before everyone goes to bed tonight. This is St. Patrick's evening prayer. Christ be beside me. Christ be before me. Christ be behind me. King of my heart. Christ be within me. Christ be below me. Christ be above me. Never to part. Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ be all around me. Christ be the light of my life. Amen. Peace be with you today.